Hey, how's it going, NBA fans? This is Kevin Haswell with my co-host, Blake Pace, back for another episode of Courtside Take. Uh, Blake, how was your break? It was good. Had a few weeks off from college, ready to start the second semester. Uh, how about you? Pretty good. You know, it's always, I was telling Matt on the Pure Sports Podcast, it's always great to have Christmas and uh, New Year's um, in the same week, because they're both great holidays, so that was fun. Um, we have Matt on the show for our first segment today. Uh, after that, he's got to head out, so uh, we, we picked his favorite topic, um, and we're, we're going to start by talking about top five point guards. We'll start with you, Blake. Who are your top five point guards in the NBA? Do you want to go from five to one or one to five? We'll go five to one. Five to one? All right, so at number five, I'm going to go with Chris Paul. Uh, this season, you know, he's been banged up a little, but in 21 games, 17 points, 9.3 assists, uh, shooting 40% from the three, which was a big improvement. Um, people question, you know, can he step away from that mid-range game when he moved to Houston? Shooting a 40% clip from three is a great start. 92% from the free throw line, a 24.1 PER. Uh, so he's got to be my number five. After that, I'm going to go with John Wall at four. Um, 29 games this year, 18.7 points, nine assists. Um, not shooting great from beyond the arc, 34.2%. PER of 19.7, um, slightly above his career uh, average. Um, effective field goal percentage down slightly, um, playing with Bradley Beal and uh, Otto Porter Jr. is great, but they need some big men, I think, and that would be even better for him. Um, at three, I'm going to go with Russell Westbrook, uh, almost averaging a triple-double this year, just under 25 points, 10.1 assists, and 9.6 rebounds. Shooting percentages are not great. Um, even kind of dipped down in the free throw percentage this year, 71%. But his uh, PER, 24.7, he is leading the Thunder, who are picking up steam right now in the Western Conference. So he's got to be number three for me. Um, then at number two, I'm going to go with James Harden. Um, you know, recently banged up. I got him at number two. He's been great this year. He is the MVP so far to me. So if he's the best player in the NBA, how is he the second best point guard? Well, I'll get to that. So I think you have to look big picture here. I mean, it's not just the season that you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, he came second in MVP voting last year. And Steph Curry, since he returned from injury? All right, well, yeah. <laughs> well, if you're going to penalize Harden for being out a couple games, then you got to penalize Curry. Oh, I'm not penalizing him for being out a couple games. I mean, he's only, he was great while he was here. 32.3 points, 9.1 assists, um, shooting just under 30, uh, 40% from three. And, you know, 30.5 30 PER is amazing. Um, but when I look at Steph Curry shooting 41% from three, just under 50% from the field, 93% from three. Um, 93% from three? From the free throw. Okay, good. I was like, the like best player of all time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Steph's effective field goal percentage is just about four points higher um, and hasn't played a full season. He's been a little banged up, missed a couple weeks back So Curry's then. your number one point guard? He's my number one point guard in the league still. How about you? Uh, I'm going to go with a hot take at number five, Ben Simmons. He's been terrific this year. 16.9 points. Eight rebounds, seven assists, almost two steals a game. Uh, what he's done for Philadelphia and what he's done for the Sixers this year, uh, being able to just take them from a pretender to a contender, Matt's interrupting me, um, has been great, and I think he's there at number five. Number four, uh, probably go with Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, Kyrie Irving's just been terrific this year, offensively and defensively, and what he's brought to this Celtics team. I put him at number four. Uh, number three for me has got to be Russell Westbrook, uh, you know, MVP last year, um, almost averaging a triple-double again this year, two steals a game, over three a game. He's been awesome. 
Uh, Steph Curry is my number two. So this is where me and Blake differ, um, other than number five and number four. And number four. So we differ in the whole <laughs> things. But uh, Curry's number two for me. You know, 27.8 points per game this year, uh, six assists, over four threes a game. Terrific. Um, I just don't think he's better than my number one, which is James Harden. Uh, you know, nine, nine assists a game. Uh, 32 points, over four threes a game, just like Curry. So he's bringing the same dynamic from three-point range, just a better passer um, and a better scorer. So, you know, I, I don't think either of them are good defensively, so I, I really can't hold them accountable on that side. Um, but I think Harden's better than Curry. And, yes, I'm going to stick with my hot take at number four. Matt, what about you? All right, what number five? All right, well, I think we're pretty much in accordance here that Harden, Curry, and Westbrook are the three best point guards in the game. Is that disputed in any way? No. Ben ben Simmons. Again. All right. So I think really the big debate here is is where is that next tier? You know, where does that start? And I think that starts with Kyrie. Kyrie has been an absolute dominant force offensively. I've never been high on him defensively, but he has been – better this year um, and certainly being the guy I think has helped you know having them really lean on him more consistently than the Cavs ever did uh, especially Gordon Hayward out who's really just had to step up and be that offensive force and yes they're getting a lot more out of Jason Tatum than they ever thought they would but this is really Kyrie's team and he's showing why he deserved to have his own team and while you know you're like why would you ever want to leave the Cavs and, and go from a team where you're basically guaranteed a spot in the NBA finals when you have LeBron in your squad especially in a week he's like we're in today, but you know, why would you want to do that? Well, he can have his own team and and to go to a team like the Celtics that was already up there, you know, force a a tough series with the Cavs or actually not really a tough series with the Cavs last year, but we're, you know, the best team in the regular season last year. This, this is, if any team could take down the Cavs, it's a Kyrie led Celtics. And that's really, it's been more so than just the numbers he's putting on the court. It's really been what he's done to this team and really made them into what I think is the favorite in the East right now. You know, with, with Isaiah Thomas coming back and the Cavs, there might be a different story in a few weeks, but that's still, you know, we need to see. But I think right now the Celtics are the number one team in the East and the biggest reason why is Kyrie Irving. As for that number five spot, got to go with my guy, John Wall. Uh, not as a pure scorer as a lot of point guards are today, but probably the best defensive point guard there is in the NBA today. Really, really good uh, passer, very underrated part of his game, but he, he, I think over the past two years, he has the most double-doubles of any point guard in the NBA, uh, has been very consistently able to at least score 10 points a game, at least score, uh, throw 10 dishes, um, and, and is a pretty good rebounder too, and blocks a lot of shots. You will see a lot of his against the glass uh, on fast-break blocks. I mean, that breakaway speed is unmatched uh, among the best. I mean, him and Russell Westbrook are unmatched. probably... Him and Russell Westbrook are probably the two <laughs> fastest point guards That's in gonna, the NBA. I was going to say Russell Westbrook's hey, pretty fast. Hey, I know. Um, so I, I think John Wall definitely deserves to be in that conversation. Other guys that I think are close, Drew Holiday having a pretty nice year for the Pelicans. Um, not really talked about. And Damian Lillard, obviously, yeah. a very pure scorer, but that's about it for him. Um, he's a very one-dimensional Isaiah. point guard. Isaiah uh, Thomas. Isaiah Thomas hasn't played. I don't, I don't, I put, yeah, take it's Isaiah almost Thomas, 30 points a game last I year. I take man. Isaiah Thomas and Chris Paul out of this conversation yeah. solely because they haven't played enough this year for me to really make an assessment on this year's numbers. Um, but Chris Paul's getting there, um, especially with Harden out. We're really going to see how the Rockets, you know, play with him. Um, but uh, I, I think right now it's got to be, you know, at the top. You could go so back and forth. I mean, with Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and, and Steph Curry. I think right now the best player has got to be James Harden simply because he's the MVP this year. Um, but with Steph coming back and playing the way he is right now um, and, and Harden being out, there's a lot of room for Steph to pass him in that conversation. Um, and then Russell Westbrook's just going to continue to do Russell Westbrook things. 
Um, I think he just kind of has the fault of already having won an MVP in recent memory that's kind of going against him here in a lot mm. of conversations. Uh, but, you know, with the way he's playing, he's not as an efficient player as I'd like to see. He checks up a lot of shots, um, and I think that's the biggest dish against him. I think Steph Curry and, and James Harden are much more efficient players. Um, but if I had to pick one right now, I'd say it's James Harden. Yeah, and I, I guess when the biggest thing me and you, Matt, disagree on, or the only real separation we had, I, I agree with you completely on John Wall. He's one of the best two-way players in the league, him and Russell Westbrook um, both. Um, the difference between me is is I put Chris Paul in there instead of Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, I credit that a lot to um, to playing in a Brad Stevens um, offense and defense. You know, Brad Stevens, to me, I've talked about him before on this podcast. I think he is, you know, the next coming of one of the greatest coaches of all time. You know, he's an extremely young guy. He's taking a ton of young talent and really bringing them to their full potential at a really young age. So I really credit Kyrie's improvement defensively to playing in a Brad Stevens scheme and with this whole new mentality. I don't think that um, when he was in Cleveland, there was much pressure for him to play defense. Um, but in Boston, you know, in, and that is to his part, like he is improving on defense. But when I look at Chris Paul, and yes, he's also in an offense that's more tailored to, you know, scoring and assists. And so his numbers might be a little inflated that way. Um, I think just his shooting percentage is getting better. And, you know, his him being able to fit alongside James Harden kind of have me have him as my number five yeah I mean honestly I, I, I forgot John Wall I put him in that conversation for number five just wanted to go with the hot take with Ben Simmons <laughs> so yeah. you know at Over the end of the day it, it's a good yeah. conversation and I think you know in the, in the coming weeks we're gonna do each week we're gonna do a new position I think next week we'll do shooting guards but Blake has something to say. Yeah, if you if you put Ben Simmons in there, I'll just throw in Jared Jack for the Knicks as my number five. So we'll just we'll just <laughs> throw Jack. in our, we'll just throw in our home teams and throw in other point guards. <laughs> All right, in no way is Jared Jack being compared to Ben Simmons, but I think that's our cue to move on. Uh, thank you, Matt, for joining us on the top five point guard segment today. Uh, it's great having you. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Blake, we have a next topic: uh, Kawhi partial tear in his shoulder. What do you think that means for the Spurs? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I, I They were getting it done without him. Um, you know, right now they're t- sitting at 27 and 14, and they were kind of easing Kawhi in for a while. And then, you know, this shoulder tear, that could be a big uh, a big impact depending on how long he's out. Um, I, I don't really think that this will have, you know, the biggest impact on them defensively. I think Coach Popovich, like I also mentioned with Brad Stevens, really just emphasizes team defense, and that's what really elevates their whole defensive mindset. But on the offensive side of the ball, I think that's a big a big drop off. I mean, I you saw what happened in their playoff series after they lost Kawhi last year um, against Golden State, and you really couldn't rely on Lamarcus Aldridge to carry the offense for that team. And frankly, you know, I see it as the same exact thing this year. I mean, he is having a much better year than you may might have saw in the uh, postseason. Twenty two points per game, um, shooting just under fifty percent from the field. He's also getting 8.6 rebounds and over a block a game, but um, I don't really see how, depending on how long Kawhi is out in a tough competitive Western Conference, how you can make him, uh, you can get a good amount of wins with him as your number one guy. That being said, you know, there's there's a couple teams coming up right now. You know, Oklahoma City is getting hot. New Orleans has been up and down, so we'll have to see where they go. Um, 
you know, the Clippers just lost Blake Griffin, so I don't really see them as a contender. But, they're, you know, it's, it's a tough Western Conference, and I think it, it's going to be tough for them to handle losing uh, Kawhi Leonard after just getting him back. Yeah, I mean, I think it hurts them on both sides of the court. Uh, offensively, he's been the most efficient player on this team uh, with a player efficiency rating of 25.3. He also did just come back. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they're used to playing without him. But also, defensive side of the ball, he's the best defender on this team, arguably in the league. So losing him is going to hurt a little bit, um, but the the play of you know Lamarcus Aldridge has to be uh, highlighted a little bit. You know his player efficiency ranks at twenty four point one this year. He's averaging over twenty two or twenty two points per game. He's been great for them. Um, a little bit of a bounce back year for for Lamarcus Aldridge, but I think this Spurs team only has to worry about this injury if Kawhi misses playoff time. Mm-hmm. If if they miss him for the regular season, they're still a 50-55 win team with, with Popovich at coach. At the end of the day, if they have Kawhi back for the playoffs, they can compete with anyone in the NBA. Um, so as long as this terror is not as serious um, as it could be, I think the Spurs are fine. Yeah, the only thing I would worry about is as the long NBA season comes on, goes on is, is the age of this roster. I mean, Manu Ginobili is 40 years old. Pau Gasol, 37, Tony Parker, 35, and LaMarcus Aldridge is 32. And then you look at, you know, Rudy Gay, 31, and he's also had some injury history. So, you know, that even makes it more difficult for them. He's been, I believe, besides uh, Kawhi, if you take Kawhi out of it, he's their second leading scorer with 18.2 points per game off the bench. So that's another guy. I, I just, I worry about this team being able to get it done for a full 82 games with an aging roster. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough without Kawhi Leonard, especially with how strong the Western Conference is this year. Um, you know, there are some injuries with teams in the Western Conference, but as a whole, much stronger than the Eastern Conference. And it's going to be tough for them to get, you know, one of those top four seeds with, with the talent yeah. atop the Western Conference if they don't have Kawhi for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I don't, I will always have confidence in Greg Popovich to make a plan yeah. when a player goes down. So I'm not ready to doubt the Spurs. Um, unless Kawhi is missing playoff time. Mm-hmm. So we'll move on to our next topic. A uh, l- little bit of conversation about the All-Star break because it's coming up uh, in February. Blake, how many Warriors do you think will make the, the All-Star roster? Uh, you know, I think the I think it, at the end of the day it should just be the, the four that we saw last year. Um, I think it should be Steph, Clay, Kevin Durant, and, um, and Draymond Green even. And so uh, Steph, Steph and KD... And Clay, in my opinion, are undoubtedly on the All-Star team. Um, Steph and Kevin Durant, most likely starters. I mean, Steph Curry, under 28 points a game. Kevin Durant, almost 26. Um, you know, Kevin Durant, 2.3 blocks per game, even defensively for Kevin Durant. He's been one of the better two-way forwards in the league this year. Um, and then Clay Thompson, still being able to get 20.7 points per game, four rebounds. He's a great defender. Um, the only guy I would be most concerned about, I guess, is Draymond Green because we have seen since Kevin Durant got there a steady decline in his use in the offense. I mean, 10.5 points per game, 1.3 blocks, 7.6 assists, and 7.8 rebounds. So I'm not really concerned of him making the all-star team. Maybe, you know, he's one of the lower guys down on the list just because his neighbor, his numbers aren't that great. But, I mean, he's still that name that you've seen you know in NBA headlines over the past few seasons so you know I think those four are safe and uh yeah I don't think anyone else on that roster should be in the all-star game yeah I've got those four guys as well um it was interesting I think Bleacher Report had an article 
um, about this debate. Um, but I don't think it's a debate at all. I think it's, you know, I think Curry's got to make it. Um, Durant, of course, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. You know, Draymond Green, uh, I believe he was the defensive player of the year last year or uh, the year before that. So he's one of the best defensive players in the NBA. So while his offensive stats might not be there, his defensive stats are. Um, and, and I really like this Warriors team. I mean, they're hard to hate. Uh, I mean, I don't like them personally. I just don't like yeah. the Warriors because they're the dynasty. But, exactly. um, you know, four, they, those four guys deserve to be the all-star on the all-star team. And I don't think it's a debate. So we'll just move on um, to our next topic. DeAndre Jordan, you know, being rumored as a decent, maybe a good fit for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Blake, do you think he's a good fit? Um, I, I do think he's a good fit. And it's something that I really think that the Cavs should consider if they are trying to um, – to avenge their loss to the Golden State Warriors in last year's finals. this The Cavs aren't great defensively by any means. And, you know, a lot of their older players aren't great on defense either. Um, Dwayne Wade, J.R. Smith's been getting worse. Uh, Channing Frye's not a great defender. You know, Tristan Thompson is an average defender, but DeAndre Jordan to me is a huge upgrade. Um, you know, that's a, that's a real force in the middle of the paint for the Cavs if they were to get him. And when I remember last year's finals, the Ca- the Warriors were able to get anything at the bucket um, against the Cavs. You know, if they just drove into the paint, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, any of those guys, they're getting easy layups and dunks, and it, it was really the the point of attack for Golden State. You put DeAndre Jordan in the middle, you know, that's a whole different story. Um, he's he's going to be a great rim protector for them, and um, will disrupt a lot of shots. And, you know, offensively, yes, you know, he can't shoot. And he's not a good free throw uh, shooter. But, you know, I, I would take his defensive upside and sacrifice whatever offense you're you're losing out on. Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, while he might not be the right fit for them to beat the Warriors, I think it makes them a better all-around team. Mm-hmm. Uh, while he's not a shooter, when LeBron drives to the paint, you can throw alley-oops to him. I think they, they can bring him into this offense – um, where he can be effective. And on the defensive end, I mean, he brings, like, they're one of the worst teams in the NBA on the defensive side of the ball this year um, with a defensive rating of 110.7, 26th in the NBA. So they really need some help on the defensive end. I think Isaiah Thomas is really going to help them on the off- offensive side of the ball. But defensively, I mean, they need as much help as, you know, the Brooklyn Nets. They need as much help as some of the worst teams in the NBA. So. Yeah. Bringing in DeAndre Jordan bring, really brings that force in the middle of that defense. And I, I think it would be a great move for them. Now, they probably would have to give up their Brooklyn Nets first-round pick, which would be very tough to part ways with. And that's why I don't think it's the good a good move for the Cavs. I think they need to hold on to that because I think LeBron's leaving after this season. Uh, Blake, what do you think about that? Yeah, that's the biggest thing I, I guess I was forgetting. You know, you have to make sure that LeBron is going to – to be staying with you for, you know, not just this season, but for the next few years as well, because then you're putting yourself in a, in a bind with a lot of cap money given to DeAndre Jordan and Isaiah Thomas. And while that could be a really intriguing combination, um, the rest of the roster isn't built around that to succeed. And so I think you, you need to make sure that you had that, that first round pick um, to maybe bring in a young guy to complement those two. So if it comes with giving up, you know, the Nets, first round pick then I I think I wouldn't 
bite the bullet either unless you thought that there was a bigger move that you could also make in the offseason with trading another one of your players. Um, but, you know, if you can try and get a combination of, of Tristan Thompson, you know, maybe maybe throwing a Mon Shumper and maybe your own first round pick or maybe two of your own first round picks, you know, that's a lot more, uh, that's a lot easier for me to give up than, you know, getting rid of the Brooklyn pick, which will be a top 10 pick in this year's draft. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, this roster, if LeBron leaves in the offseason, is going to have to be a complete overhaul. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, if LeBron leaves and they're stuck with DeAndre Jordan, Isaiah Thomas is set to be a free agent after this season. So not only could you lose LeBron, you could lose Isaiah Thomas. You'd be stuck with Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, DeAndre Jordan, Channing Frye, Kyle Court, just a bunch of guys that are misfits on this team without LeBron. So... At the end of the day, all those guys are going to have to go. They're going to have to start from scratch, and there's no better way to start from scratch than going out and drafting you know, a top three pick, um, especially with this year's class. Uh, I really like the guy at Duke. I like Bagley. Um, and then there's a guy in Europe that's really good too. Uh, Luka Donich. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to hold on to that because if you're the Cavs, if you're any NBA fan, I, I don't think there's any confidence with, with LeBron staying um, so after he leaves, I mean, I guess you'll have Kevin Love too. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Love's probably a good trade asset yeah. is if LeBron leaves. You can trade him for another first-round pick and, and really start to rebuild this roster. But I don't know. I, I think you're, it's a lost cause to trade for DeAndre Jordan beyond this season because, you know, it is like you said, Isaiah Thomas and DeAndre Jordan sounds great with Kevin Love. Um, but it's just not a championship team. No, no. And and going back to that, I didn't even think about the pairing of Kevin Love with DeAndre Jordan. I think that, you know, if you can make this trade, that's a perfect fit with your four and five Good rebounding. That's a great rebounding. And, you know, you, you can feel more comfortable spacing out Kevin Love to the three more often, knowing that you have a guy in the paint that can get offensive rebounds and, you know, get easy and Tristan dunks Thompson, and put back I mean, dunks. Yeah, Tristan exactly. Thompson's one of the best offensive re- rebounders in the NBA, so, I mean... When DeAndre's out, you can bring Tristan in, and, and they're a nice complement to each other. Um, and I think you know, with with the amount of shooters they have on this team, um, you, you need guys down low to be able to get those offensive boards and, and throw it back out and get more attempts up. Because you know, nowadays the most, some of the most successful teams in the NBA get the most three pointers up, and they make the most three pointers in the NBA. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I I like I would like them to trade for DeAndre Jordan if I was a Cavs fan, but at the same time. They have to, like, I think me and Blake agree on this. They have to give up that Brooklyn Nets pick. It's really not worth it. Yeah, definitely. So we'll move on to our last topic of the day. Um, you know, the the Cavs, uh, this offseason, we were just talking about it. Do you think they can survive without LeBron next year? Do you think, how would you remake this roster, um, how it is without LeBron, to, you know, make them more formidable next year without LeBron? Yeah, so so that's the biggest thing. I guess the the huge thing would be filling up that small forward position, and that's where that Lakers pick has to come in for me, um, or the the Nets pick. I mean, you got guys. You've got um, Michael Porter Jr., Miles Bridges. Uh, what's the the guy that we just mentioned from Europe? I'm not sure. Luka, Luka Donich. Yeah, he's supposed to. He's supposed to be in the conversation for the number one. Exactly, pick. and so you know, I think you got to spend that draft pick on one of those small forwards and maybe try and you know, because that's going to be a huge hole. You're you're leaving yourself with you know Amon Shumpert. You're mixing yourself with a a, a rotation of Amon Shumpert, J.R. Smith, Dwayne Wade, 
who will probably also be gone if LeBron leaves. Um, J.R. Smith, you know, there's no really good small forward to replace. Um, I guess you you do have Jay Crowder. I guess I forgot about that. You could put him at the three, but that's, you know, you're still, you're replacing LeBron James. That's such a huge hole to fill. Um, and then I guess, you know, it, it's tough. I would, I, I don't like Tristan Thompson for how much he makes um, for his salary. So I think maybe that's another guy you try and trade to. Um, his play's definitely gone down. Exactly. So I, I'd try and find someone who I think is maybe, um, who's maybe one center away from, you know, making that next push. Maybe, you know, you send him to, to Portland maybe or, or Washington, who's always looking for a center. You know, I'm not a big Gortat fan. So maybe there's a team there's a out there. Guys. Yeah. So maybe there's a team out there that needs a young center who can get a lot of rebounds. And, you know, you maybe flip him for another pick. I, I think, can they survive without LeBron James? No. I think if, you know, you saw what happened to the Heat when LeBron left. You know, they kind of just fell flat. You know, luckily they got some more wins for a little because of, luck by Deion Waiters and Hassan Whiteside, but that hasn't been sustainable. So I think, you know, if if you have the best player in the world and then he just leaves, you know, that changes so much because you, you spend your entire time building around that one guy and then it all just falls flat on your face. Um, so no, I don't think they can survive. They can make the right steps. I really think that at that point you build behind uh, Isaiah Thomas and make him the new face of the franchise. You saw when they welcomed him into Cleveland for his first game, you know, the crowd seems to love him and hopefully he can have some success in Cleveland this year to where that he wants to stay. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, you can't lose LeBron James and, you know, expect to be a playoff team even the following season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you look at the free agent class, uh, the, the other question I wanted to ask you is, is do they go out and try to get a big name free agent if LeBron leaves or do you just give up next year and start the rebuild. You know, the the top five players in the next free agent class are Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Paul George, Russell Westbrook. That's not true. That's not true. Well, I'm getting false information. Russell Westbrook's not a free agent, mm-hmm. uh, but DeMarcus Cousins is. Yeah. So do you go out and, you know, get a get a free agent to pair with Kevin Love, Isaiah Thomas? or Or do you say, hey, we just don't have what it takes to compete right now. Let's overhaul. Yeah, so the problem I think that would come with that is while LeBron James is making, you know, $33 million this year, you are going to have to go out if you want to build around Isaiah Thomas, and you're going to have to pay him big bucks because he's a free agent. So, I, you know, and then you have $22 million invested in Kevin Love, 16 in Tristan Thompson, Jared Smith is making $13 million this year, and so you're going to be really tight on uh, cap space, Um when you bring back Isaiah Thomas, if that's the path you choose to go in. And so I don't think it's feasible to go out and try and spend every last dollar on a big free agent to sustain sustain that success right away. I think Cleveland, you know, just needs to try and take a year or two on the back burners and then rebuild for this next wave of Cavaliers fans. Yeah, and it's interesting. I just looked up DeAndre Jordan set to become a free agent this offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, so out, at, at the end of the day, um, they could lose if they trade for DeAndre Jordan. They could lose DeAndre Jordan, lose Isaiah Thomas, um, and and that would just be I lose Isaiah Thomas, lose LeBron. I mean that could be the nightmarish um, outcome. Yeah. So, you know, I I think the Cavs are are bracing for LeBron leaving, um, but I'm not sure what the plan is here. Like, you could go out maybe get DeMarcus Cousins, pair him with Kevin Love, make it like the Pelicans have now with two great big guys. Um, you can make an attempt at PG. He's probably not signing in Cleveland. Um, Durant's probably re-signing with the Warriors, and then you, you go down the list. 
Uh, Chris Paul is probably not going to sign with the Warrior or with the Cavs. Uh, Avery Bradley may be a good fit alongside Isaiah Thomas. They played together last year, but you know th- this isn't an extremely intriguing uh, class towards the bottom, um, and you kind of know who, where the top couple players are going to sign. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm on the side that I think the Cavs should you know rebuild. Um, I think trading for the Nets pick was very smart this offseason. Uh, really yeah. sets them up for the future and keeps the fan base, uh, you know, excited for the future with, you know, going out and maybe getting a Marvin Bagley, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they need to do that, but, you know, that's a lot of Cavs talk. Yeah, yeah, a lot of Cavs talk. The only thing I would, that I can think of is that you'll you'll know what the Cavs are, what the Cavs think of LeBron James this offseason with how aggressive they are right before the trade deadline. You know, if they do make a trade like that, then you know that they are going, that LeBron James has maybe hinted that, yes, let me stay here for another year or two and let's try and get this done. If they don't make a move and they don't make a big trade, then you you kind of have the feeling that they also understand that LeBron is leaving and they don't want to ruin their future just to sacrifice one half of a season and then a postseason run. Yeah, you know, I, I think... Even if LeBron were to re-sign with the Cavs this offseason, he's only going to sign like a one- or two-year yeah. deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you're not going to be able to sign LeBron for the rest of his career. Uh, I think at the end of the day, if he comes back, he's still going to leave uh, later on in his career. Mm-hmm. So the Cavs, it, you got to start planning. Um, it, it's not going to be fun when LeBron leaves for Cleveland fans, but uh, the front office you know, is probably way ahead of us right now thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, there was a report last week that um, the Cavs owner actually asked LeBron if he was going to or if he would resign for the future, and he didn't give him an answer. Yeah. So that basically puts the nail in the, co- the coffin that he's not coming back. Um, but you know, it'll be interesting, and uh, that will do it for today's episode of Courtside Take. Uh, Blake, as always, thanks, thanks so much. Yeah. Um, any last words? No, go Knicks. Yeah, trust the process. Um, we'll catch you back here next Monday. Thanks for listening.